Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we've got another a humdinger of a show. We, we've, you know, we want to end 2022 with a bang. And Big bang. What bigger bang than the two like likely most powerful and also likely most notable, most notable dragons in D and D lore. Yeah. So this week. We will be covering the one and the only Platinum Dragon, Bahamut. And then next week, well, what's the uh, the other side of that coin? Oh, the other side of that coin is our precious, sweet Dragon Queen, Tiamat. And this sort of like ties into Dragonlance since, mm-hmm. you know, it's, they've, you know, uh, D&D uh, has sort of been coy about whether Takesis is Tiamat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's Shadow the Dragon Queen, in according to 5e, they are one of the same. Yep. These godlike dragons traverse planes and worlds and, and show up across Greyhawk, mm-hmm. across Faerun, across Kryn. And so we're gonna we're gonna sort of keep it parallel with Dragonlance. We've got a lot of Dragonlance content this month, and you know, uh deservedly so. Shadow of the Dragon Queen dropped. It's fantastic. I just got my copy of Warriors oh. of Kryn board game. And it is it is quite lovely. I can't. Is it amazing? I can't wait to just eat it all up. Like I wish I could consume. Like, have you ever seen a red dragon? It was like, the in uh, person. No. Or the, the the movie the movie Red Dragon. Oh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, it's like it's a it's a prequel to Silence of the Lambs, and okay. in it the villain like literally eats a painting because he wants to like be one with it. And that's how I feel sometimes with my D and D stuff. That is not the direction I thought any yeah. of that was going. The, like that every sentence, sentence just got in that weirder. It did. There was a <laughs> twist. Every single word, every yeah. single word. I am impatiently waiting for my book to arrive. I, know, I have getting... two more days to wait. That's 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 so weird because we we ordered yours first. We did. We ordered your copy first, so yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's because you live out in the boonies. Who knows? It probably is. They're like, why are we sending it to that town? Nobody like, lives nobody there. Nobody lives double there. Double check that... that there's actually a D and D fan down that there, far there's... in the south in the boonie. <laughs> there are, and it's you, redneck lore mistress. Let's go. So let's talk <laughs> some Bahamut. That needs to be yes. on your tombstone. That needs to be in your obituary. <laughs> I'd wear that shirt. So Bahamut, the Platinum Dragon, has been described both as the king of all good dragons and as a deity in his own right. Certainly, he is a unique creature who, if legend tells right, has existed from the first day that dragons appeared on Toril or any other planet. Sages continue to debate the true nature of Bahamut. Is he the archetype of all good dragon kind? Is he an avatar? Of a greater deity? Or is he a fluke of nature, a powerful mortal creature who is worshipped by other mortals? So just a little little primer on what to expect from this platinum dragon. Yes. So again, like I said, you know, uh Bahamut is Platinum Dragon, the dragon mm-hmm. god of justice. And he's also known by the following titles, which I feel like we've gone on record, and I don't think it's uh you know, we're we're gonna backpedal any, but mm-hmm. we've gone on record that all the villains have all the great nicknames. It's true. Like if you're a bad guy, if you're a bad gal, you've probably got at least a couple yeah. of dope ass nicknames. 
It's true. They got some they got some wicked awesome nicknames. Whereas the good guys, the good gals, uh they uh their nicknames kind of suck. They do. A- they seem more like solid and I don't know how to I guess regal, I guess, or more yeah. proper. Almost right. like it's more proper and regal and there's a there's an air that you expect a good guy to have. Right. You know, right. with the puffed chest and the shoulders back and the chin up. Like so that the you know, the names kinda go with it. Right, like you know the, and then the, the bad guys, hero they of give, light. Yes, and then the bad oh. guys are like, "You can call me what you want. I don't care." Like you can call me the skull of vipers. Like, wow, that's so cool. <sighs> I want to be a, a cool nickname. But if of all the do-gooders that we have talked mm-hmm. about their nicknames, I think Bahamut probably has the best ones, even though they're nowhere near as cool as what you know we'll hear next week from Tiamat. Are we neutral evil? I mean, I don't think that's it. That comes as any surprise to anybody. <laughs> it's it's a little shocking. The realizations happening now, like yeah. right now, you guys are hearing it happen. Huh? All right. I guess I'm neutral evil. Well, it's, by me. It's it's good now that we've that's out in we've the open. Established. Yeah, I feel so, I feel better. So some so of these nicknames, what sort of titles? Right. So <laughs> we've got the Angel of the Seven Heavens, which is kind of dope. It is. Uh, yeah. Draco Paladin. Okay, okay. The God of Dragons or Grandfather of Dragons. And I like this one a lot. My um you know, my uh flamboyancy, my flamboyant nature likes this one. The Grand mm-hmm. Master of Flowers. Oh, I wonder what his favorite flower is. The King of Good Dragons. Again, you That's know, pretty solid, pretty standard fare. But sort of vanilla. It is very vanilla. That is the best description. They are vanilla nicknames. The nicknames. Justice Maker. Again, probably the second coolest on here. Maybe. And then this this last one's kind of dope. Lord of the North Wind. I like that one a lot, too. Because it's it's very, like, much in, like, character. Like, you know, Lord of. Yeah, it's got the. North Wind is sort of like, what does that mean? That's kind of cool. I like it. I like it. It implies a coldness to me, though. But Game of Thrones fan. I like the books <laughs> before they were turned into shows too. So it just that's what it was. Yeah, the North. North is cold. The North is cold. <laughs> North is cold. <laughs> uh legend implies that Bahamut uh, is the only platinum dragon, a wholly unique creature who spans over four hundred feet from the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail, with Holy scales that shit. glow with a faint bluish hue and are rumored to be virtually indestructible. That is that is four football fields. That's a that's a lot of football fields. That's four we Americans fields. will literally use anything that's but true. the metric anything, system. But I try to visualize it with something that I'm familiar with myself. Um, in 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 ratio to essentially, like how big like, is that dang old B- Bahamut? He's about four football fields. He's about four football fields. Hey, I was in marching band. I can I can. It was a nerdy situation, not a sportsy. I'm not a sports ball kind of guy. Um, Bahamut is also one of the most powerful and revered gods, in addition to being pro- like likely the only platinum dragon in all of existence. And he is subservient only to Torm, who is the leader of the triad, which is an alliance of good aligned deities. Ooh. And in the wake mm-hmm. of Tyr's death, the original leader of the triad, Torm took his place and Bahamut was essentially promoted to occupy uh, much like the same nightly place that Torm had with Tyr. Right, right, right. So they're moving up and he's taken up his assistant with him because that's right, the guy so, he wants as his right-hand man. Right, so that's exactly what it is. So sort of like, yeah. you know, Tyr was sort of like, you know, like the Zeus of of the mm-hmm. of the Pantheon. And when, when he died, I believe it was in the Spell Plague, uh, Torm took his place. Uh, yes, And so. Torm was his right-hand man. And so he sort of like, you know, elevated Bahamut to that position. In Bahamut's lifetime, he has visited every known world and plane at least once due to his insatiable curiosity, which I I love that. I love love that. He's like not doing it for any other reason, just, uh, you know, like what's going on over here? I relate to that. I think it's why I own like beyond Dungeons and Dragons, why I own so many different tabletop role playing game rule books. That's, I mean, that's your thing. Get it's, after it's it. I support it. 
uh, I support it. But thank you, as as the co-host of the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, I would hope so. I do. <laughs> it's been beneficial to me for you to have this hobby, actually. And so as such, the god of dragons, in addition to being part of the Freyrunian pantheon, is also mm-hmm. known as Zymor in the Draconic pantheon, and was also known as Marduk in the Lutheric pantheon, until that dissolved following the events of the Orc Gate Wars, which... Another awesome title. I know, the Orc... I mean, it's... Uh, and I as soon as I saw that, I'm like, what? what is this? What I is need this? to know what I this is all to... about. And I looked it up and it is pretty freaking dope. And um, I don't see how we, I don't know if there's enough heft to it for a full-blown episode, but we might certainly do like a mini episode on it, we or at least a, a perhaps like a bonus episode, a patron Ooh. bonus. That sounds fun. And of course, following the Shadow of the Dragon Queen's release, it's officially canon that Bahamut is also Paladine in mm-hmm. the Kryn pantheon of Dragonlance, which also means that he is known to gallivant the planet as a human wizard known to mortals as Fisben the Fabulous. Yes. So we've always known that Paladine is also Fisben. So, but now right. it's official that Bahamut mm-hmm. is, you know, Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Fisben oh. is <laughs> Bahamut. I'm so glad that's the reference you went with. Uh, in <laughs> in <laughs> fact, most of Bahamut's interactions with mortals have come in the form of Fisben or uh, other humanoid guises that he takes. And we'll discuss those as well, uh, because mm-hmm. only a few living beings have ever seen Justice Maker in his true form. Ooh. Beyond Fisben, he's also rumored to wander around amongst mortals as an elderly man, followed by seven yellow canaries. That's probably his most famous uh, besides Fisben. Uh, also a straggly appearing street urchin with seven ragtag friends or a beggar that's surrounded by barking dogs. A few folk tales reveal why Bahama disguises himself in the way he does. You know, they're more concerned with that plot twist when the old man with the canaries suddenly becomes this, you know, giant uh-huh. majestic dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll really I feel like, like that would be he's trolling people. I mean, he's super trolling. I mean, yeah, it's either he's trolling or he's like sort of like um, that celebrity that just like wants to go out mm-hmm. and do, you know, normal things. I just he's like, be the, a normal like, guy. He's like the Jasmine from Aladdin of D and D. That's that's another random man. I'm, I'm on something today. today. Like, what is going what? on? Are you okay? Red you Dragon. Okay Ace Ventura pet detective, Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin. This is, I mean, this is what you get from the D&D lore cast. I don't know what to tell you. I don't, if you're, you're looking, welcome, if you're looking listeners. for D&D lore without obscure, weird references, then mm-hmm. this is not the show to get it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's like, you're going to be like, what? Random reference lore cast. That's, that's what we're doing today. It is, it is. With some D&D sprinkled in. With some D&D sprinkled in. Uh, Bahamut sometimes travels around the world in disguise to assist his followers followers directly, especially if one of Tiamat's insidious plots needs to be thwarted. Uh, but more often, he walks the natural world to seek out, quote, worthiness, a subject he waxes oh. philosophical about and the topic of much of the sage advice that he dispenses okay. to those that he meets. So, so it very... is trolling in a way, but it's not necessarily in the typical troll fashion. It's to test people. I mean, it, yeah, to test people to assume. to like to see uh, to seek mm-hmm. out um, like truly folks that good he, or truly bad. Yeah, that because I mean, he is the the lawful good god mm-hmm. of justice and 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 uh, like I said, like very much lawful good. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to find those that sort of you know fit into that alignment as well yeah absolutely that's i mean that's the way to do it is to see who's um see who's willing to support and be kind to those that are not necessarily capable themselves take care of the weakest ones among you that's what you're supposed to do right which is something that bahamut is all about he's all about right right the 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 smaller guy like you know protecting them 
And mm-hmm. when he walks yeah. the world, he tries to discern the worthiness of everything that he encounters. And worthiness like in this aspect is viewed through the lens of justice and nobility and honor. I like it. I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's a do-gooder for sure. Yeah. Uh, consequently, he uses his uh, deific power to help others fight rather than just turning his platinum into his platinum dragon form and learn and just tearing through the enemies in the blink of an eye. So, right. I mean, he's not, uh, and he's also not just going to like fix your problems. He's like, Hey, like I'm going to like fight alongside you, but I'm not going to like just win the fight for you. Just gonna say it's kind of refreshing to have a big, strong, powerful guy that we're talking about. And he's not using it to his benefit necessarily not using that power just solely for, you know, selfish need means. Right, exactly. He wants to assess the worthiness of yeah. those that he's fighting alongside. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he blesses them, he heals his fellow travelers, but does little direct fighting himself. And it's additionally, be hard as a DM. <laughs> additionally, the those barking dogs uh, or those ragamuffin friends that he's seen with, and more frequently the seven canaries traveling traveling alongside one of Bahamut's disguises. They're actually gold dragons also in disguise, each of them a member of Bahamut's court. Oh. And while Bahamut enjoys the company of all good dragons, he prefers gold dragons to serve under him directly. And those who do, they do so until death or until they are too sick and they're too infirm. You know, they can't continue one way or the other. Right. It's a lifetime position. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. to find a replacement, he, much like he does with, you know, mortals, he observes all gold worms, secretly testing them with elaborate, dangerous challenges to test their metal. So he wants to, he's seeking out worthiness in them as well. Hmm. And then only the most noble and courageous of gold dragons have a chance to be selected. And one of the myths behind that is that these gold dragons are actually spirits of dead kings of justice that have been returned to the material plane, the prime material plane by Bahamut to serve him. Hmm. Like, you were such a great guy in life that I'm going to bring you back as an awesome gold dragon. You get to come back as something better. That's like the ultimate reincarnation. Right. A gold dragon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm down. Like you Can led I sign up such to... a good life. Can I sign up to come back as a gold dragon? Is that an option? Oh, that's that. Just the fact that you would that you would ask makes you makes it seem not worthy, hmm. right? Yeah, I feel like that's, I feel like it would be the one who was like, oh no, like you should pick so and so, like he's really good, you know, like the humble one. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, don't ask yeah. me to get into the mind of a dragon. <laughs> it's a terrible place to be. Scary. And so for these more important or for uh, right. These like for important tasks, but they're not quite important enough to demand yeah. Bahamut's personal attention. He'll just dis- mm-hmm. dispatch one of these seven dragons. Oh, and okay. Each works on specific tasks, and no one knows if there's any sort of hierarchy among them. Whether like, you know, if he has a right hand dragon, or if they're just all kind of like is you know about buddies. the same level, right? Keeps them on their toes and keeps them from fighting for power. If nobody knows, then nobody can. You know, there's no way to know. And so these are the seven current worms in Bahamut's inner circle. There is Borkad the Claw. Compulsive and obstinate, Borkad represents Bahamut as the hand of justice. He chronicles the laws of many lands, as well as Bahamut's personal code. He's more than a glorified secretary, though. Borkad enforces Bahamut's laws against those who can't be stopped by any other means. And then there's Curia the Eye. This sleek serpentine dragon remains aloof, sometimes threatening, even to those she knows well. Her tasks require secrecy, taking advantage of her suspicious nature. And then there's... I like her. <laughs> I knew you would. As soon as I read that description, <laughs> I'm like, that's going to be Mary's oh, favorite. she's sneaky and heckin' sus. I'm in. Uh, Songrad the Wing is Bahamut's messenger. Mm-hmm. Powerful wings that let her fly at great speed. She is most commonly encountered. She is the most commonly encountered of the seven mm. dragons. Uh, though focused and businesslike while on a mission, she's also a curious thrill seeker. Bahamut usually gives her a bit of time after each task she completes to explore the places she's visiting. 
So it's like, you know, like, okay, like take care of business and then a little bit of pleasure, you know? Yeah. It's like when you, if you go on a business trip and you have to travel for it, you might like take a vacation day or two, just like kind of hang out May in the city. I'll just see the location. Uh, yeah. If you're going to be, I'm already here. I should just take here. a look around. I should probably just look around. Let's poke uh, around a little. There's Grumar the Voice. The slender Grumar mm-hmm. is a master negotiator sent out to settle disputes and prevent bloodshed. Though his speech sounds tranquil and warm, it never reveals a hint of weakness. Oh. Then there is Moroshak the tail, massive and genial. Moroshak is the closest thing Bahamut has to a bodyguard. Though he's usually friendly, he's merciless in combat. So mm-hmm. I see him as like the the strong, silent type, you know? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Tronaxia the presence, a magnificent shining creature. Tronaxia is sent to cow the proud into submission using the majesty of her presence. Unlike Grumar, who is the master negotiator, she intimidates instead of conversing. Bahamut sends her out when he encounters obstinate resistance that requires a more blunt approach. I like it to use that for a good rather than a negative. It's nice to see that. It's interesting. And then there's Urgula the Fang. When Bahamut musters a great army, Urgula leads them. Her knowledge of tactics is unsurpassed, and she flies over the battlefield to scout and command. Normally proud and uncompromising, Urgula sometimes becomes stubborn or rude when she's in a bad mood. Same girl. Also a thing I identify with. (laughs) Same. Same. Hard same. (laughs) So... To wrap up the the little discussion on on his court, you know why gold dragons? Like why only yeah. gold dragons? Some sages speculate it is because hundreds of centuries ago, the platinum dragon himself was a gold worm, whose great goodness caused him to transcend his golden form and become a unique breed uh-huh. of dragon. And so perhaps he's trying to find that worthiness again in them to see if possibly. You know that transformation can occur a second time to others. Oh, right. he's got to be kind of lonely. That's my personal theory. Maybe I like it. That's where he came from, so he's going to reach out and help those he didn't forget where he came from. Right, exactly. So, so what are some ways that you could either injure or even possibly kill Bahamut? I wasn't gonna ask that i wouldn't why would you it's why not, would you come wanna on, mary you don't gotta lie to kick it you don't have to lie to kick it <laughs> i wasn't gonna kill him off or try to you're the one who has to kill a god in really big bold letters well i'm saying like this could be this is just a few ideas if oh. the pcs need to save bahamut like, oh. you know like you like you know that's that's the plot you have to thwart Oh, I see. I see. I see. Right. Like becoming or, a hacker know. to prevent bad things from happening. Yeah. Or like, you know, maybe uh-huh. you just maybe you just want to kill him. I don't know. Oh, not me. Sure. Not today. Bahamut offers his protection when ritually called by high priests of his fates, uh, faith, okay. manifesting in his draconic form. So that's something that uh, is available to uh, his followers, to his worshipers. Those temples must be huge. However, go out in a field. I mean, yeah, no, it had to, like this grand temple. Um, however, sinister forces could corrupt this ritual, altering key parts of it. And by obtaining access to one of those grand temples to perform hey. it, they can then battle the summon Bahamut, presumably to the death. Oh, okay. And one thing I discovered is this cool thing called this corporation. So when okay. a, a deity is bloodied, the deity's uh-huh. mind leaves its body and the deity is unable to assume physical form for some time. That's that's what's known as discorporation. So that's really cool. Like a fail safe. Like, hey, like I don't want to die. So if I get hurt, like I'm just going to like dip out for a while. Yeah. I'm going to perform the godly dip and I'll be back in a, <laughs> a few months. Right. Yeah. They <laughs> usually last a few months, uh, but it can sometimes take several hey. years before the deity can Ooh. resume its form. Uh, and during this time, the deity's power is weaker, but, you know, it's not like he doesn't exist, but it's, it's definitely, right. you know, somewhat weakened in a weakened state. Right. So if, you know, NPCs or even player characters wish to truly kill a deity, they must fulfill one or more conditions specific to that deity. 
Uh, this mm-hmm. could require destroying the deity's most prominent temple or finding an artifact that can deliver the killing blow. Right. Uh, and if those specific conditions are satisfied, the deity cannot discorporate and instead becomes bloodied as normal. So that fail safe is no longer active, and now now you're just throwing. There's a loophole. Now you're just throwing blow, blowing blow, throwing hands, throwing blows with God. I oh, that's terrifying. And so, what are some of these ways that Tiamat or some other evil deity could hope to destroy the angel of the seven heavens? So, like I said, there's you know uh, one or more conditions need to be uh, satisfied, right, in order to to sort of prevent. Uh, prevent discorporation. So mm-hmm. one of them could be uh, hidden within one of Bahamut's titles. Oh. If you notice, I labeled him, or he was labeled as the god of dragons or the grandfather of dragons. Mm-hmm. But why not father? Well, it's whispered that oh. Bahamut has a son <gasps> somewhere along the plane, among the plains, who has rebelled against his father for reasons unknown. That oh, child, man. if He's found, just a phase. could face down his father in battle and claim his birthright, taking Bahamut's place among the deities. But thus far, thankfully for Bahamut himself, even the most powerful evil soothsayers have been unable to learn the name or location of Bahamut's son. Another way... Just- Rebelling against your father, and your father is Bahamut. I mean, it could have gone any other way. No, probably not. Another, I love it. (laughs) Another condition that you know could possibly be satisfied Mm -hmm. is that Bahamut regards himself as as virtue, as honor, as justice coalesced into a living form. Okay. So if Bahamut could somehow be tricked into doing something inherently and ever. Uh, irre- irrevocably dishonorable mm-hmm. he would have no choice but to shuffle off his mantle of godhood lest the very concept of honor be forever tainted oh. and so then once bereft of godhood once he is right. now just a mortal dragon then Bahamut could be destroyed as easily as any other ancient dragon as any I mean I, I use normal in very in the loosest of terms when discussing there's some ancient quotations dragons. there but, uh, but I mean, like, as easily, and I say, easy again, at the the same easily. way, one could kill an ancient dragon. There you go. The you know the same would apply to Bahamut at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so again, just a few ideas for PCs to either, you know, a plan for them to thwart, or mm-hmm. you know, if they're feeling froggy, perhaps you know, a reason needed to kill them. I guess, but okay, okay. So you know how to kill him, but where did he come from? How did he get there? Well, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about uh, his real life origins Mm -hmm. and and where he kicks it, and that might have some uh some like you know insight into where he comes from, and then also we're going to discuss his worshippers, his aspects, and his exarchs. After we come back from the middle of the show. Oh, it's so middly in there. It is. It is middly in here now that you mention it. It is. I, we've got a lot of middle stuck in this room. I don't know why I imagine it's going to a different room for the middle of the show, but you know, just to walk through the, uh, through the old dungeon. There's so much middle in this show. (laughs) Well, first and foremost, let's let's do the most important thing that we have to do in the middle of the show, which is thank our patrons. Thank you so much to our patrons on patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. It is thanks to your support that we're able to start doing a bunch of the stuff, a bunch of the ideas that we've that we've had, uh, you know, that are gonna come to fruition in 2023, um, such as awesome merchandise that I feel is just like, you know, something like stuff that any D and D fan would like to wear, you know? Right. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I remember I was listening to a, a wrestler by the name of, uh, uh, Brody King. 
And he was talking about how, like, in his opinion, like a bunch of like wrestling t-shirts were kind of like sort of, um, you know, kind of just, you know, whack, you know, they're like not very cool. Anyway, right. I, I wanted my merchandise to seem like like band t-shirts. Like he's, he grew up listening to like punk rock yeah. and metal. And he's yep. like, I want my shirts to look cool, you know, like not necessarily like, you know, like, you know, band t-shirts and that's or a, a wrestling t-shirts. And that's kind of like the mentality we took is, you know, yeah. we want our merchandise to look cool and not necessarily like a podcast t-shirt. Right. I want to produce merchandise that is something that I would also buy and something I would also wear because I can't. I, c- I couldn't in good conscience produce something and make it and then ask somebody to put their hard-earned money and time into it if I don't believe in it. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> you don't do that. No, no, exactly. And, and so, make stuff that you would want that you would enjoy. Right. And so we are commissioning artists to mm-hmm. make fantastic works of art. Uh, yep. We are working very diligently on the magic items of the week, like yep. title, you know, uh, working title. Uh, for the title. dms guild because uh, it's not just magic items like you know they're like mm-hmm. tom i remember tom created some npcs and you know uh crit and myself created some um weapons of legacy and so yeah some different different things in there yeah it's gonna be a lot of cool stuff it's like it's like a homebrew like it's a homebrew haha to be honest uh-huh. mm-hmm. but like i said it's thanks to the um the folks on the patreon yes. uh their support that we're able to do stuff like that and if you are interested in joining the Patreon, like I said, patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. And we have several different tiers, anywhere from yes. five bucks all the way to 75. And they've all got really cool perks and benefits to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that aforementioned merchandise, you can get uh, some of it for free. Uh, you can get yep. bon- our, the aforementioned patron bonus episode that we're going to do on yeah. the Orc Gate Wars. Uh, that's going to be on there. And yep. then you also have like workshops that you could, you know, Mary and myself, will help you write a campaign or Absolutely. learn how to play D and D. Yep. You know, or join a run a one shot for you and your friends. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, I, I feel, and again, in, in keeping with the mentality of like, you know, creating merchandise that we would like, that, that we would, that we would wear, that we would enjoy. I want to uh, create the thing I want to consume. Right. And so all the things, all the benefits that we offer are stuff that we feel like that we would want from, you know, from oh, a for podcast sure. that we listen to. Heck yeah, that's awesome. And if uh, if you want to support the show in other ways, Mary, how can they do that? Oh gosh, you can just go talk about us. Tell your friends. Like, don't shut up about it. To, don't shut up about it. Never shut up about D&D. It's the best. Um, you can also talk to us on Twitter at DND Lorecast. You can find us in the Robots Radio Network Discord on a Dungeons and Dragons channel. And we are always in there. Always. I'm starting to be concerned that Sergio and I don't actually sleep because we're just always waiting to talk about D&D. I mean, why sleep when you can talk about D&D? You have to start sleeping on shifts so at least one of us is up. I mean, I, I feel like I'm always up, though. I feel like I don't sleep enough, and I feel like I'm fine with that. I feel like I don't sleep enough. I feel like I don't get a lot of sleep, and I also feel like it's too much anyway. I, I wish that I slept yeah. less. Oh, I, I wish, wish my body would let me. More. I wish my body wasn't needing so much sleep. It's kind of inconvenient sometimes. I mean, yeah, like, that's... I remember uh, someone once asked me, like, if you could do... Like, if you had any superpower, what would it be? Or like it gave me like a choice, like if you could fly or you have like, you know, super speed or what what would it be? And I was like, super speed for sure. Cause I could do everything really fast and have more time to do everything. Um, but if I could pick yeah. any power, it would be not to sleep. I don't know. I enjoy napping though. Like, I'm not going to lie. I enjoy sleeping. I just wish I didn't need to as often. Wish I could skip it when I want to and just use it when I needed or when I felt like it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I just want superpowers. That too. That too. So what else do we do in the middle of the show? Well, we also talk oh, about uh, D&D so news. There's so much news and oh. things. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 has been around for a couple of years now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been in early access. So it's been essentially like this uh, wide, wide, like wide access uh, beta test, essentially. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. an open beta test as opposed to the normal close where you get a finite yeah. amount of folks who who play the game through pick out the bugs and all that 
Yeah. And so what they've done is they've, you could buy it now on Steam. You could buy it now. Um, I think actually you can only buy it now on Steam. I was going to say you can buy it now in the store, but you can't. Go to Steam and buy it. It's an early access version, but they've announced a full release for August of next year. Uh, that came with a, a tr- new trailer that debuted during the Game Awards. Nice. And a, a certain ranger with a purple tattoo on his head shows up. Uh, <gasps> no, no mini giant space hamster, though, which is interesting. Maybe you'll have to rescue him. So, yeah, I'm wondering what that's all about. But yeah, yeah. Baldur's Gate 3 is coming out. Uh, they're, again, this is all subject to the change, but uh, Larian Studios, is, is, they say they're fairly confident they'll be, they'll, the August release date will stick. Good, good, good. That's good to hear. And so, you know, as we're ramping up and in, going into 2023, into year four of the D&D Lorecast, like I said, we've got a bunch of cool ideas. One of those is, you know, a Twitch uh, stream, a Twitch channel where we mm-hmm. do, uh, you know, D&D cooking, like the out of the D&D cookbook. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm getting the kitchen ready. Uh, mini painting, as well as streaming like D&D video games. And I don't mm-hmm. see how... Baldur's Gate 3 might not, you know, is. we might start off if we, if we start off in the you know first half of the year, we might just go yeah. through the first two and then, you know, gear up for Baldur's yeah. Gate 3. Absolutely. There's plenty of things we can do on there. It's going to be a hoot. A couple of new books have been announced. These are prequel novels for the upcoming D&D Honor Among Thieves movie. Uh, nice. They're both coming out about a month before the movie's release. So uh, they're slated for February 28th, 2023. Okay. There is a, I'd say like adult, but not like in, like not in the adult sense of like the adult video store says it. Right. I mean, there's like an adult, there's like a, there's a young adult, which is geared toward like, you know, like tweens and teens and all that. And then there's right. like, I, like, you know, a, a regular book. I don't know. Not to say that YA isn't regular or normal. But it's not like adult in that sense either. <laughs> anyway, I I'm letting you trip over this and not say anything. I'm sorry. Anyway, the young adult novel is called The Druid's Call. Mm-hmm. It is by E.K. Johnston. And the blurb is Discover Doric's powerful druid origins in this thrilling young adult prequel to the film Dungeons and Dragons Honor mm-hmm. Among Thieves. And I like the. It. Other book, other by... one that's just called a novel, my just, dude. It's just, just a novel. Just a novel, and anyone can read it if you want. <laughs> I guess, adult or otherwise, <laughs> is by yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jalee Johnson. It's called oh, "The Road to Neverwinter." Every adventuring party has a starting quest. Join Edgin Darvis and his team of heroic, well, occasionally heroic heisters in this official prequel to the film dungeons and dragons honor among thieves so you'll be able to get those anywhere books are sold uh we'll definitely be talking about those uh on the on the lore cast probably as a as a bonus episode um because we like to stick to 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 lore for our or you know our main episodes for sure yeah um but But it's fun to kind of dabble in some of the other stuff here yeah exactly so we'll definitely you know they're, they're coming out in February. We'll definitely get our hands on them and let you know. Mm-hmm. And then I found this other link, uh, which I think you had posted something to the something similar to the Discord uh, Probably. a while back. Uh, the headline is Minnesota veterans get help through Dungeons and Dragons role-playing therapy. Mm-hmm. And the article is from the Star Tribune in the Twin Cities about how a couple of counselors, a couple of therapists are using D&D and it's role-playing aspect to help yeah. soldiers who are suffering from PTSD or from other effects from wartime to be able to communicate better, be able to like, um, like unpack that trauma yeah. and move on from it. And I mean, this is, I mean, this is great. I, 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 it is, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I recommend D and D to anybody and everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, people like when I tell folks who aren't really don't know about D&D that I do this, they're like, oh, that kind of seems weird. I'm like, dude, you just get to like hang out with a bunch of your friends or a bunch of like, you know, I go play pretend in a safe space with my friends. That's right. what and I'm doing. That's what we call to, is playing pretend. You get to but pretend to be a hero. Mm-hmm. It's it, as a oh, as a person that deals with um, some PTSD type stuff. 
having had the opportunity to play through and be involved in D&D has absolutely 100% been a massive force in healing and putting me into a good place again emotionally. I think the article I had shared was using it as uh, with children as play therapy mm-hmm. with younger with younger folks as well because it does. It absolutely gives you the safe place to work through things and if you need to take a minute, you can stop. And you can pick that back up again later. And it's it's just that it's being expanded to more and more and more people people and our especially our veterans as well as a huge win. It's a huge win in my opinion that I'm all emotional now. That's awesome. <laughs> no, yeah, I like I saw it and I saw the article, read it, and I was like, "This is fantastic." I got to talk about this uh, on yeah, the show. Absolutely. And of course, let's end our middle of the show as oh, per yeah. usual with the DMs Guild Corner Pick of, of the Week, uh, and we're speaking Bahamut. So why not a five E stat block for oh. the Platinum Dragon Bahamut? Of course. So this is by David Floor. It is pay what Mm -hmm. you want with a suggested price of 50 cents. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a spot. It's a fifth edition stat block for Bahamut. That's fantastic. No more, no less. It says this creature is loosely based on how Bahamut has been defined over the years and across several Mm -hmm. editions. And the design of that stat block itself is based on the Tiamat stat block published elsewhere. Of course. So they should absolutely have some kind of have some right overlap there you need them to and it's like i said it's pay what you want with a suggested price of 50 cents and it's got 4.5 stars based on nearly 20 ratings so that's folks seem bad. to like it yeah folks like it yeah i like it that's a good uh it's a good batting average there's my sports <laughs> reference that's there it. it is and you say you're not a sports ball gal i'm not a sports ball gal but i understand the sports balls that's gotta that maybe that's gonna be <laughs> on your obituary instead <laughs> It might with, be. With that, let's let's jump to the end of the show. Let's get, yeah, can we go back to talking about dragons? Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome back from the middle of the show. We're going to finish off our discussion on Bahamut, the platinum dragon god. Mm-hmm. Let's He's go. The god of justice, the god of honor, the god of valor. Very much uh, the like the do gooder type in like the Superman vein. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's hitting all of the good guy archetypes. He's checking right. them right off the box, like all the box stuff. Checking them off the list, not off the box. Goodness, it's a good thing I don't have to do a lot of talking today. It's a good thing you are not a podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing I don't like <laughs> like record myself talking for other people to hear. I know that's ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? Um, be terrible. And like a lot of uh, you know, D&D creatures, uh, monsters, you know, characters that are either uh, based on certain archetypes or even based on like real life mythology. And, and Bahamut is no different. Yes. Bahamut is uh, in real life is, I mean, like in real life mythology is right. a monster resembling a giant fish that oh. lies deep below the earth's surface and okay. is actually sort of like the, um, like what underpins the support structure that holds up the earth. And that's hmm. according to a 13th century cosmographer and geographer that was born in what's modern day Iran named oh. uh, Zachariah Al-Khwazwini. Uh, and uh, I think cosmographer might be like probably the dopest profession I've ever heard. That is an excellent job title. It just and- sounds... Like, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a cosmographer. Right? Like, you'd have to say it like that, too. Mm-hmm. And so in, Wait, this I mean... conce- in this conception of the world, the Earth is shouldered by an angel who then is standing on a slab of gemstone, which is in, in turn is, is supported by the cosmic beast, usually portrayed as an ox. And then that ox is being carried on the back of Bahamut, the giant fish, uh, who is suspended in water for you know for its own stability? You know, okay, a- right? Because the fish are more stable in water. Let me let me just hold on. So the world held up by an angel. Right, angel is standing on this gemstone slab. 
Yeah. The slab. Like, just like, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a. Uh, I was picturing a mini on a base. I was picturing the base part of the mini. That's what my brain was building it as. Right. 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 And I was yeah, thinking like a, a little... like a, like a, a tether ball, like a little court thing, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is on the back of an ox. Right. Oh, uh, ox, uh, that th- is on the back of the cosmic, a cosmic beast. beast. Okay. Usually portrayed Usually, as an yeah, ox. Right. I, I've seen a lot more of the turtle as the whole holding of the world thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what my brain always pictures. But, but then this ox is then, is, is on Bahamut the fish, which is obviously held up by water because right. fish are floppier otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure I got all of that, uh, information. That's, I mean, when you I come down it. to it, it's not any less any strange than, than, yeah, than some of the other stuff. This is true. So, some lore. so that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. And I, and I, uh, I, I do like the D and D lore a little bit more. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So less okay, so... David Lynchian for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And so so in... where? hang out though so like what was his yeah so part of the D lore is bahamut's palace which is pretty dope uh so while bahamut has been known to inhabit virtually anywhere in the guise of a human or a demi-human there are myths that claim that bahamut dwells in a great fortified palace quote behind okay. the east wind you know whatever that oh means. just all right so like there's the wind and there's it's the palace just, behind it. You go it. past the go, yeah. When you get to the east wind, go behind yeah, it. You know, and yeah. That's where you. Okay. Like once All you right. hit the east wind, you know you're almost there. <laughs> just keep so, going. You'll find it. It's fine. Some sages interpret this as being somewhere on the elemental plane of air, which makes sense, right? That does uh, make sense, yeah. While others believe that the platinum dragon dwells somewhere on the prime material plane, either in the seven heavens or in the tri-paradises. Hmm. However, okay. the wisest of sages believe that the palace occupies a pocket dimension between the plane of air and the seven heavens, and that Bahamut and his gold dragon court are the dimension's only occupants. Oh, they've got their own private room. Exactly. Uh, legend says that the Crystal Palace is covered in glyphs and wards meant to uh, protect uh, or meant to protect the, you know, protect it. And that these spells mm-hmm. um, that humankind has yet to discover, which is pretty cool because like just the idea that there, like, I mean, uh, there is magic out there. That, that is undiscovered. Right. And could be. <sighs> I love the open ended. Hey, we could add to it later. Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, that sort of world later. building, that's, you know, that's an yeah. easy, that's an easy out for, for world building and to be able to like add on to stuff later on. Heck yeah. And on the third and the second and third editions of D and D Bahamut's palace is this glittering wonder built entirely from the great dragon Lord's treasure hoard. So you've got windows of gemstones in settings of gold and silver you've got walls of inlaid co- uh, copper and ivory you've got floors made out of mithril i mean it's it's pretty that sounds baller. amazing yeah. yeah uh not you know not the least audacious you know not you know very much like you know i mean they're dragons dragons are gonna dragon it's true like it's even true. dragons gonna even as you know as virtuous and honorable and you know right good as bahamut is He's gonna still a dragon. He's still a dragon. Uh, let's see. Within its walls are the seven great worms that uh, who attend Bahamut's proxies, as mm-hmm. well as his uh, treasures, his petitioners, spoils of eons of treasure gathering, and of course the bones of would be thieves. Of course, I would leave them as decoration in mourning too. If I were a dragon, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I mean. Not even decorations, just sort of like, you know, a warning. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Start building the walkway up to your palace, like start at the door and start building away from it with just the bones of people that tried to. There you go. It's the seven mile bone walk. So in the seven mile bone walk, <laughs> that sounds strangely adult. Uh, that sounds what like. It keeps uh... happening. <laughs> it's from an adult novel. 
but not that kind. But not that kind of a kind for grown ups. Just you know, not it's not for kids, but not like that, not for kids. So in second and third edition, uh, although it usually appears in Mercuria, Bahamut's palace either exists simultaneously on the first four layers of Mount Celestia, those being uh, Lunia, Mercuria, Venya, and Solania. Okay. Uh, or it simply moves between all of them at Bahamut's will, carried aloft by a whirlwind, which like, oh, sort like of like that better. backs up the it's behind the east wind sort of, you know, yeah, I myth. Like that. And so and how Bahamut arranged this is unknown. Like not even other powers in Mount Celestia know. And it said that many gods out of just pure curiosity, like, yeah, how do you how do you do that? How do you that's pretty cool? How'd you do that? Or in order to bring harm to Bahamut, uh, would pay anything in order to gain that secret information. Oh, hey, a new campaign hook. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and you know, in addition to trying to kill him uh, or trying to get his son to kill him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it. Bahamut's palace has open, unkeyed portals on each of its four layers that lead through other gates to his palace on the elemental plane of air or the astral void. There is a warden archon named Yonel who is responsible for guarding the gate to the north wind on the first mountain, and the gardens for the the guardians for the other three are Kirkaltha at the gate of the south wind, Moriel mm-hmm. at the west, and Ruhiel at the east. And archons are these elite group of celestials in the service of all that is lawful and good. So. Okay. Like almost like archangels. I mean, that's archon, yeah, archangel yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and it's only it is the only known shortcut to the upper reaches of Mount Celestia, allowing pilgrims to bypass long and difficult climbs. And as such, it's the goal of many pilgrims and invaders. Though it is it is too well defended to allow passage for those whose gifts are not deemed sufficiently worthy. And again, like it right. says. You know, Bahamut may be the lord of good dragons, but he's still a dragon. You know, he still likes dragons the shiny gonna... things. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I same. Hard <laughs> same. Who doesn't like shiny, shiny things? things. Uh, every traveler who passes through its gates and approaches it uh, approaches is looked at with suspicion by at least one of Bahamut's draconic servants, um, and then this whole sort of setup uh, changes slightly once we get to fourth edition. And mm-hmm. and so far in fifth edition, all we know is that Bahamut quote dwells in the seven heavens of Mount Celestia. But gotcha. in fourth edition, the shining castle Bahamut calls home rests atop Merdion, one of the seven mm-hmm. mountains of Celestia, which is the astral domain of good and just. So hmm. you know, whereas it essentially floated between the first four layers of Celestia in older editions. The most recent information has it placed squarely on the fifth layer, um, or it's actually like a mountain in fourth edition. Uh, Celestia has now become a single large island within the Astral Sea, a domain of seven holy mountains. So it's not really a, a layer, so to speak, but um, like a like a really like a like a, yeah like an island that's that's floating around. Oh, okay. That you could, I mean, if you if you got a spelljammer campaign, definitely visit it. Yeah. Uh, the grand structure. What's that? I said you should have a spell jammer. All right, campaign. And if, yeah, we you all should. Like, we all should. Everyone should. Just Everyone deserves one. a spell jammer campaign. Pick it up on your next grocery order. It's fine. Uh, this grand structure is more than just the palace. Like I said, it's also the location of Bahamut's horde that expands eons, and and this aspect of the palace remains unchanged from addition to addition. That. Uh, nice. You know, it's still you know inlaid with copper and ivory on the inside platinum on the outside it reflects the eternal light of celestia and makes the castle appear like a beacon on the horizon That's you know so cool walls are made of mithril tiles the windows of gemstone set in silver and gold again you know very similar if not identical to, to the description from previous right. editions and Bahamut viciously pursues, usually by proxy, anyone who attempts to steal from his great castle. Like after all, like you know, he is a good god, but he's dedicated to justice, so stealing's wrong, right? Uh, right. And he's also a dragon, so and, don't steal my stuff. Definitely, yeah, he definitely shouldn't do that. Man, the gall of somebody trying to steal from from can you um, the cojones on these guys? No, right. I mean, like 
you're like you're double like it's like a double whammy because like you're stealing from the god of justice so like i mean you're gonna get punished right and then you're stealing from a dragon so like you're gonna get punished you're gonna yeah yeah i feel like the 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 dragon part's more intimidating to me than the god of justice oh no yeah exactly for sure uh, and so yeah. the biggest change, um, and we're still unclear whether this remains in effect or not in fifth edition, is right. like where the palace is actually located. So what about those who worship Bahamut, right. those who um, can become aspects of Bahamut, and mm-hmm. uh, the exarchs, the like the sort of the champions of Bahamut? So though all good aligned dragons pay homage to Bahamut, Gold, silver, and brass dragons hold him in particularly high regard. And other, even other dragons, like, um, like even like the evil dragons, uh, except for probably Tiamat, probably not Tiamat, but you know, other evil dragons, right? Uh, res- at least respect, like grudge- begrudgingly respect Bahamut for his wisdom and power. Right. Uh, worship of Bahamut increased during the time of troubles as the platinum dragon returned in avatar form for the first time since he was technically killed as Marduk during the Orkigate Wars. And it was during this time that Bahamut helped quell yet another one of Tiamat's plots to conquer the world. Tiamat just, you know, you know. Now you're trying to take over. Constantly. Uh, I'm sensing a theme with the things that I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of here. And that that you really enjoy. I do. You really connect with. (laughs) I do Uh, on a weird level. And so Bahamut <laughs> pledged an oath to protect the northeastern Faerunian kingdom of Damara. And as Bahamut mm-hmm. had hoped, this sparked renewed interest in his teachings among non-dragon species. And in the years that followed, good aligned mortals across Faerun heard the call of Bahamut and pledged themselves in service. The elite of these became platinum knights or vassals of Bahamut. Uh, some were even chosen to undergo the rite of rebirth, transforming themselves into a long-forgotten species known as the Dragonborn. And that's one theory as to how the Dragonborn they... came to be. I like it. And so his followers growing, Bahamut's power also grew, and he once again rose to the level of lesser deity. You know, But obviously anyone who is of a lawful good alignment could conceivably worship Bahamut. Right. You know? dragonborn you know human elf whatever uh, right in addition to being a deity of both good and metallic dragons bahamut is also a god of wisdom and enlightened justice which is justice tempered with mercy and punishment with forgiveness so not not only is he's like this do-gooder he's also like this like stern but fair father he's like the danny tanner of the Faerunian pantheon <laughs> that's uh that's a fair pull i'll take it uh judges we'll take I will, it. i'll allow it carry on there is in fact a knightly order of silver dragons dedicated to bahamut known as the talons of justice and their precepts or code is justice and good above all honor and fealty to the king honor and respect to righteous innocence honor and duty to the balancer who is the dragon Mendis, to her mercy the dragon tamara and to the justice maker, Bahamut. Honor and protection to the lesser races or species. Honor mm-hmm. and correction to the enemies of justice and good. And honor mm-hmm. and forbearance for oneself. So they very much keep... Talons in- of justice. Yeah, so it's very much in keeping with that idea of like, you know, looking out for the little guy. Like, you know, the, the one that, yeah. you know, might not be able to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Just saying, Talons of justice pretty solid title that's a yeah that's a good one i mean that's that's a good one because there's like a there's an air of sort of like badassery to it like uh, talents you know it's a great word talents of justice and so some powerful paladins and clerics make pilgrimages to bahamut's palace in hopes of receiving a powerful blessing from the platinum dragon Bahamut can also create an aspect of himself from the willing sacrifice of a powerful metallic dragon worshiper. So an aspect is a physical embodiment of a deity or even an archfiend or even some other Mm -hmm. powerful being that is this, it's a less powerful version of the original being and it's often sent to the material plane to assist worshipers or to take part in battles. Right. So just a small chunk of Right, like just like, just like just a taste, just a little, you know, just a little mm-hmm, nibble. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And so this will willingly self-sacrificed dragon dies, but arises anew as the aspect of the platinum dragon itself, remembering everything from its previous life and oh. now completely bound to Bahamut. I like that. That's neat. And while Bahamut prefers, uh, you know, for his dragon worshippers to remain dragons rather than sacrificing themselves, you know, becoming the aspect of uh, in, in this manner. Right. You know, he still, you know, sometimes uses aspects as long-term guardians, ambassadors for crucial diplomatic efforts, or as extra planar uh, authorities who bring to justice villains too powerful for literally like anything less than like right. the like the little a little taste of godhood. Right. And aspects are something that I became familiar with in third edition. I remember they're in the miniatures handbook. Uh, okay. And they're also in fourth edition, but I don't think they've shown up in fifth edition as far as I know. And I've always liked them because it provides a really interesting way to incorporate deities uh, mm -hmm. in a campaign without like, you know, obviously, like if a god shows up, like, you know, what can stand against a god, right? Like, Exactly. And so, but so having this aspect, which is, has some of the power of the God, but is a less powerful version, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you're like, you're like, your player characters might not, might not ever be able to defeat, you know, Bane and not right. like the Batman Bane, but the D&D &D Bane. Uh, although You'll like, defeat me. <laughs> creating, creating a, a Bane in D&D, &D, that's something we, we, I think we have to do at this point. He's got to be Warforged. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, oh, no, I've never thought about this before. Carry on. <laughs> this isn't something I haven't thought about forever. Uh, but, uh, you know, but maybe like they can take on one of the Dark One's aspects, like in a forbidden right. temple somewhere. Right. Uh, additionally, Bahamut has an exarch who has been tasked with training knights to fight for and to champion Bahamut's cause. So the Exarch mm. of Bahamut is the last and greatest paladin from the ancient dragonborn empire of Arcosia. Going okay. by the name of Kuyutha, he did his best to gather and protect the scattered dragonborn clans after the empire's fall. And in recognition of Kuyutha's ceaseless efforts to safeguard his people, Bahamut granted him a spark of divinity and instructed him to train a new order of knights on Mount Mertion itself. And so since that day, centuries ago, Kuyutha has acted as Bahamut's ambassador to the Dragonborn race, has you know crisscrossed the world many mm -hmm. times over, has been shepherding Dragonborn clans that find themselves in dire straits, and brokering honorable accords when two clans have a dispute they cannot resolve. Okay. Kuyutha also seeks out the bravest among the Dragonborn to train with him on Mount Mertion, and takes the vilest dragonborn villains to face their judgment before Bahamut himself. So Kuyutha sounds like pretty awesome. Like Kuyutha is yeah. definitely like an NPC that needs to show up in a campaign at some point. At least once. Absolutely. I do like the uh, tie in with the dragonborn there though. Cause they're, they're a fascinating race to me. No. Yeah, absolutely. Species, for sure. Excuse me. It's fascinating species. I apologize. And so, yeah, so that's that is the long and short of Bahamut, the platinum god, uh, dragon god of justice. And yeah, I can't wait. Is, I can't is... wait. I can't wait till next week to hear the the flip side of this, the evil and vile Tiamat. And you know, you say like you know you're you're seeing a like a trend. I mean, I'm sure Tiamat's research is going to be infinitely more interesting oh gosh yeah i guess like fun as bahamut was like tiamat's gonna yeah. like it's gonna be great i've been trying to pull links for information <laughs> i'm just gonna get all the things i need to look through in one place and, then start and go from there yeah absolutely i'm hyped to see and then we can uh we can uh end the year on a bang oh yeah we got you know we've got bahamut we've got tiamat coming up we got our patron roundtable where we're going to discuss our our predictions for 2023. Yep. You know, uh, the patron roundtables are always a hoot and a holler. We've got some special guests this time around, and so it's gonna it's gonna be fun. Yeah, we're gonna like you said, we're gonna end end the year on a bang. We're gonna gonna, gonna jump amazing. into 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, swords out, bows. Uh, primed. I don't know. What, how? What, I'm 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 holding. I'm gonna hold my action. 
You're, you're holding that's your action. That's how I'm going into 2023. You're, a coward's way out. You're, it's a coward's way out. I'm charging into, I'm charging past the door, not checking for traps. Yeah. So I'm holding the action because I'm going to have to go in and save <laughs> your ass. Fair enough. That's why, you know, that's, you know, our team is, you know, greater than the Good sums team. of our parts. It's true. So thank you <laughs> once again for allowing the D&D Lorecast to be a part of your life for this yes. week. Uh, we hope you continue to do so. And we hope that you uh, bring some friends along with you next time. Absolutely. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.